This is the MLW Radio Network. On Saturday, September 11th, PPW Wrestling turns eight. Live from Signature Training Academy in Broadheadsville, Pennsylvania. Come see former WWE superstar Matthew Adams, a.k.a. Murphy. Undisputed Era's Bobby Fish, Enzo and Cass, Ruben Guerrera, Kona Reeves, Ace Austin, Mercedes Martinez, and much, much more. Tickets are on sale right now at ppwwrestling.com. Wow, I am excited. Ed Freeland, just think... You're not even going to be there. Is that how you have to start it off? Well, you know. You're going to be there. Kate Hensler's going to be there. You guys are going to be getting interviews. You're going to be backstage. All the good stuff. And here I'll be sitting in the control center, a.k.a. my kitchen, all by my lonesome. Hey, but you are here for a great interview tonight. Oh, I'm excited about what we got tonight because we have somebody who's dual talented. He's famous. Yes. But he's not so famous. If that's possible. So I'm semi? Not, semi-famous? For, for the, we're not allowed to use the word semi or semi Oh, on the podcast world. My apologies. But anyways, yes. what we're, we're going to do is we're going to introduce one of the Mikey Whipwreck kids. He is an amazing wrestling talent on the indies. He is an amazing comedian. He is your favorite and mine, Mr. Dan Barry. So have you ever heard me do comedy? Because I feel like you're stretching a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever heard us do a podcast? Ah, touche. I didn't come on here saying it was my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? We are good. Welcome to the Sea Show. Uh, I am Freeland. He is Rit. Uh, We're excited to be talking to you because wrestlers are very eclectic individuals. I think you would agree with that. Yeah, I'm um, by my Muppet Christmas Carol poster I have hanging up my house. Very much. Um, but very few times, very rarely do we get to run into a stand-up comedian and a professional wrestler, which I think would be your your wrestling career would be fodder for so much material. Am I correct in that? No, I don't actually parse through it because my issue is uh, like I'll say civilians, but like people who don't care about pro wrestling, if I come out and start saying like so I'm a pro wrestler. There's like four minutes of explaining to them what that even is because it's always like the the stupid like oh like UFC. It's like no oh <laughs> oh the fake stuff. It's like the show. Is that what you're you, you mean? Like you want to say that? I'm like I'm like well you know it's not really fake. And it's like what do you mean not fake? You don't know who wins. And it's like I don't man. I don't have fucking time for you. All right, hey, listen to me tell jokes about my dad leaving. that's where it's gonna go it doesn't go to like me talking about like oh like i was at an indie show and i saw someone's penis like it doesn't go that way it always always goes the way of like you know i I got left as a kid like that's not really it's not really gonna be a funny topic and then it's gonna turn into you having to go all d david schultz john stossel on someone and it's never gonna end good Especially because I look like this. Like, I'd just be like a dude. <laughs> Some accountant just slapped me. Like, that's what's going on. <laughs> wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. 
Good times. So, How you guys doing? Hey, <laughs> much better now that you're with us. Is that true? Uh, well, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, talking to this bald guy over here, you are much more entertaining. Um, let, let me first ask you this question. When it comes to, to the whole wrestling thing, what got you what got you interested in it to begin with? I mean, was it something uh, that a kid you watched or Yeah, so as like a kid, I um my my cousin was older, he uh, was a big wrestling fan. And he would always have like wrestling on or he'd talk about wrestling or whatever. And then we were being uh, I was very young. I remember being babysat and I remember watching TV and USWA was on. It was on yes. And it was, I think, like, if I, so understanding in my head what I imagine, because you're, whenever you think of a memory, you're always remembering the memory of the memory. Yeah. You don't remember the actual memory. So if I remember correctly, it was Lightning Kid versus Jeff Jarrett. That's what I remember being on USWA TV. Wow. And I remember being like, this is great because Lightning Kid was doing like spin kicks and like flipping. And you're like, this is what I want wrestling to be. And so I started watching that. And then that became, Introduction to WWF. Well, I'd say I probably saw WWF before that, but it was like what I remember vividly being like the like I love wrestling was that moment, right? So then it was WWF, WCW, um, and then it became like whatever wrestling I could physically find is wrestling that I would watch, and it would be Japan. Uh, if I saw Japanese wrestling, I watched Japanese wrestling. They used to have like on public access, they had like uh, some Japanese tapes that would come on, so I'd watch those. Then you have Lucha on Saturday mornings. So I watched Lucha on Saturday mornings, and it was like never-ending influx of pro wrestling for me at that point. Wow. Are yeah. you into, like, comic books and cartoons or sports as well, or was, was, was wrestling? Yeah, I played sports. Uh, I was a baseball player, a soccer player. Uh, I played – I wrestled, and then I, uh, you know – I didn't really play sports. We couldn't afford to play as kids, so I didn't play football. <laughs> you know, you didn't grow up with no money. You don't really get to get buy pads. You, you, whatever's <laughs> available to play with in the park is more or less what you're, what sport you're going to start playing. Um, but then it was like for me, comic books, yes, but not like to the extent that a lot of people do. Like I have probably three enormous boxes of comics at my house right now. If anybody wants to buy them off me, because I don't need them. Uh, cartoons. It was always, um, you know, like. Uh, X-Men, like it was that type of shit. Um, can I swear on this? I'm going anywhere. I don't care. You guys can sense me later. Um, yeah, like it's that type of stuff. I, I would I would pull it in, but for me it was like wrestling, and then I liked watching stand-up as a kid, which is a weird thing to think about. But like my mom would say that she'd be watching like George Carlin, and yes. then I would start laughing at punchlines, even though I had no idea what the punchline was, but I knew the timing. Right. Knew the timing of the joke, and I'd know the punchline was coming, and then I would laugh. And she was like, it was the weirdest thing. You were obsessed with it. So that was my life growing up. So obviously that was the, the time of vinyls. And they're coming eight back. An uh, 8-track as well. Yes. Oh yeah, I, we had an 8-track player in my house. I had uh, Billy Joel's Glass Houses was a pretty big one that was played in my Ooh, house. Ooh, love Billy Joel. Yeah, on 8-track. And then we had a cassette player. I mean, I was born in 1983. I'm not like a... I'd say I'm not a dinosaur, but somebody just heard that and was like, that guy's old as shit. So um, yeah, 1983 uh so i had cassettes we had a lot of cassettes growing up so or k joy 98.3 on uh, uh in uh new york so did you collect you know were you into the big wrestling action figure phase with the ljns or the hasbros no. did you know here's exactly what happened for me so i got like wrestling actually so i had like the hulk hogan that was just like hitting him standing like this like yes. those LGNs. 
I had that, but he couldn't do anything. Correct. So, like he couldn't move. So as a result, I, I fucking hated him. <laughs> so I had, I had, because I had been watching like Japanese wrestling and a little, you know, lightning kid. And I was like, fucking, I want to do cool stuff. So then, uh, GI Joe's were more like bendable. So it was like crossing out German suplexes with, with, you know, the, uh, the GI Joe's. And then as I graduated, I had like Ghostbusters action figures. So like yes. Bankman was my world champion for a while. Um, <laughs> he was, he did a, a Emerald Frozen and that was his picture. Uh, I then had, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, which everyone was Dan Hackroyd in the movie. Uh, uh, oh, oh God. It right? was, was it Venkman? No, Venkman. No, that's Peter Venkman was Bill Murray. Um, Dan Aykroyd was... Um, I can't remember it. I'm, oh, I think it started with an S. Uh, Stance. No, yeah, Ray, Ray Stance. Ray Stance. Right, right. So he had yep. the belly to belly. He used to belly to belly suplex. That was his finisher. But like, and I'd have like Wolverine and then you'd have... Um, I had Spawn at one point. I had Terminator figure where his hand went down and the chest shot off. And those guys all were wrestlers. I never used the WWF action figures because... They were the worst. Right. I had the Macho Man that did this thing. I had all of them, but like, I didn't wrestle with them because they couldn't do any of the cool shit that I liked. They're just big oh. chew toys, almost, almost like dog chew toys. They were so fucking useless. Like honestly, like <laughs> they were so useless. When you see like a Matt Cardona who's like, I'm gonna collect every action figure that's ever existed, and you like right. watch, you're like, yeah, most of them sucked. Though I was like a kid to play with. Like Matt got them because he liked, he wanted to have the whole set of action figures. Right. I was like, no, 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 I want to play with these. Like, they'll never stay in a box for me. I'm going to have play with these action figures. And nah, no luck. I, uh, but yeah, that no, was fun. So you were a fan of the Lucy's instead of keeping them in the box and pristine. Oh, yeah. I've never had a pristine anything. I, um, <laughs> I think I got the Deaths of, Death of Superman comic, and everyone's like, you can't open it because it's going to be. I opened it before I even got home. I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't get this comic book, so I wouldn't read it. I got it because I wanted to read it. And it's like, well, now it's not worth any money. But now you look forward. It's not even worth money now. It's just right. <laughs> If it was, I would have sold the one I have that's in a, my brother gave me. It's in a case. And I would have made money. But it's not worth shit. It's, it's, uh, so egg on everyone else's face. You never got to read it. Yeah. Oh, Dan, Dan wasted a comic book. I read a comic book as a kid. Like, that's what I did. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, I was going to say, heaven forbid you read the written comic book. That's the thing is I feel like sometimes you get um, – there are people who are collectors, and I understand that you're a collector, and I understand people who, like, pull that stuff in and whatever. But, like, I also think that if you're going to be a collector, you have to also enjoy what you're collecting. And as this a kid, true. it's like – you know, I had Magic the Gathering cards. I had a lot of very expensive Magic the Gathering cards, and some of them I sold during the pandemic to make some money. And I sold all of them, but I played with every card because it was like, that's why I bought them. I bought them to, like, play a game. That was what I was there for. But Not to be put on a shelf to look yeah. at. Now, here I am. I have $40,000 in student loan debt, and I probably shouldn't have fucking done that. If I can be honest, <laughs> I should have just kept everything and sold it. That's what I should have done. Oh, oh, hindsight's man. 2020. You hindsight's had fun 20. though, you know? Who yeah. cares? I think I had fun. I don't remember. <laughs> so, you're watching wrestling, uh you're 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 kind of playing with some of the action figures, more so along the the Mattel, you know, more movie and TV show characters. Mm-hmm. Um you're really interested. Does, does your interest continue? I mean, do you continue to get more into it or do you does it wane at a certain point because we've talked to some wrestlers where they say I kind of grew out of it for a while. I got into girls, sports, dirt bikes, and then I came back to it later on. Or did you just kind of 
stay with it the whole time? Always wrestling. Always. Um, I, uh, I didn't have a lot of female, uh, girls and date anyone until I was 17 basically. Okay. Um, I, we got a trampoline when I was a kid. So I started wrestling on the trampoline. You'd wrestle like my pet monsters and like, I'd wrestle, <laughs> and then yes. I would wrestle like people like my brothers and then my best friend, like wrestling. And like, we would like wrestle. And then that translated to like backyard wrestling. And then we do backyard wrestling. And, um, I kind of always just stuck with wrestling, which is also probably why I didn't date any women until seven. Uh, but like, you just get to that point where you're like, I'm going to follow this through. And I, I was obsessed. Like we would watch, you know, we would bootleg ECW, you know, pay-per-views. We would, uh, uh, find download like whatever we could or find or find and basically i never tape traded i don't want to pretend that i did that but i have friends who had like tapes of japanese wrestling so it's like all right we're watching japanese death matches today or we're watching you know this show that for some reason has all these names on it but it looks like it's in a shitty bingo hall and we pull them all <laughs> and, and i loved it man like that's all i ever wanted to do i like the art of pro wrestling like there's something about um the way things move, like I knew when I started my first day of training that like in America, they wrestled and they used the left arm. They would work the left arm. Like it was just something I noticed it and I took into like, that's what people do. A suplex is with the left arm, not the right arm. And like, there's a lot of things that you pick up if you study it as if like, this is what I want to do one day. And speaking of training, you were trained by one of our good friends, Mikey Whipwreck. Yep. So how did that come about? Uh, you know, finding him, finding the school, and what was the first day like with him? So my first experience with Mike Grip, like he started a company called HWA, which is Holbrook Wrestling Alliance. And it was actually, I think, hard, it was Holbrook Wrestling Alliance and then became Hardcore Wrestling Alliance. Um, and he would have shows in Holbrook on, like, Wednesdays or Thursdays. And we would, like, get rides from, like, our friends' uncles and shit and just go out and watch the shows. So then um, when I was 17, I signed up for training at the NYWC school, which was in uh, Hicksville at the time. And Mikey wasn't there. Mikey had started his school. He closed his school. He opened another school, QWA. Um, and then I had gotten to a point where I was training under this guy, John Curse, this guy, Mike Mayhem, and a guy I'll say, he who shall not be named. Uh, that guy is no longer there. It's Curse and, and Mayhem. Mm -hmm. Learning from them. And then NYWC starts a company, and we start doing shows. And the shows were starting to do all right, and Mikey was – there and we were like you want to come in and do the shows mikey came in i think he liked the mywc atmosphere and then he started like training us too so then i started getting trained by mikey um and then mikey has just been floating around my life since then i would say it's like 2003 uh, he's been floating around my life since 2003. so so when you go into training for wrestling obviously back back then things have obviously changed since you know, the way they are today. Um, take me through a normal training day. I mean, was it one of these deals where when we would watch tough enough where they're at tracks and they're doing a bunch no. of Watts and <laughs> whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you exactly what it was like. You come in, you stretch and then it's uh, your cardio. So it could be squats. It could be squats with somebody on your shoulders. So what we would do is we'd put somebody in an electric chair and then we do squats and keep them. And then we'd rotate and we'd swap back and forth. Um, 
we do push-ups where it'd be like you go down, you do one push-up, you get up, high five, you go back down, you do two push-ups, you come back up, high five, and you get to 10. So you end up doing something like 50-something push-ups at that point. And you're pushing up and you get all your push-ups in. Um, then it's uh, drills. So rope, run the ropes, run in place, uh, bumps, you just fall on whatever. And that's probably the first two hours, a little over two hours of that. And then it's like um, when Mike Mayhem was the trainer, he'd teach you like moves which I always thought was like invaluable um, because one of the things that got me on a lot of shows is that I could do and take lots of wrestling moves without like ever thinking about it. I think a lot of times it happens now. It's like a lot of guys are trained, like bump, rolls, hit your things. And then like you learn basics and then it's like, go out there and learn. And it's like, I would rather you teach each individual wrestling move and understand how to put someone down and how to like, do all these things. And I think Mayhem showed me a lot of that. Uh, Curse was very big on like the fundamentals and like uh, mat wrestling and um, conditioning. So you do like uh, spin drills. So you put your chest in somebody's back. It's like an amateur wrestling drill, but you spin around them and you, whatever, it's a, it's a blow up drill. And then you do something called shark bait where you sit in the middle of the ring and then people will come in and you'd have to try and shoot, pin, or tap them out. And that was the entire concept. So you do that too. So that was like training for me. Uh, then Mikey came in and it was like, you know, he was more nitpicking on things like me. Cause at that point I'd already been doing shows. So it was like, take what Dan's doing and like whittle it down. So it makes more sense. Um, he really helped bring in psychology cause psychology was something that wasn't really floating around a lot in the early days. Um, and then he had, when he did his training, it was like drills and then you earned your way into the wrestling ring. So you'd like, do chain and then after you do chain you get to a point where you're allowed to go in the ring and start taking bumps and then you go back down to chain and you'd like learn your way self yourself into the ring um but that was it it's it's not sexy to talk about but like we would do like runs in the you there's a parking lot you do sprints in this parking lot um you know the the whole point was a lot of it's like conditioning and like making sure that when a match goes you're you can go for the entire duration of the match now do you think uh you know that learning everything individually, the psychology, everything. Is that missing in some uh, in some schools today? I don't really know. So I, I think a lot of times what happens is people, it's the phrase like those who can't do teach. So you get a lot of people who like, I'm going to start a school because I like wrestling, but maybe I shouldn't be starting school because I don't exactly have the fundamentals down. Um, I think that with schools today, I feel like there's a lot less focus focus on like the sort of reality of pro wrestling. Um, you know, I have like things that I'll nitpick because I was taught away. And as a result, like I get very like nitpicky about it. But for example, like a German suplex, my biggest pet peeve is you see somebody grab the hold and then they go down up and they all go and you can see the jump. And to me, it's like a German suplex is a, is a legit throw in amateur wrestling. You get your hips under them, you pop them up and then you suplex them. That's it. There should be no jump. There should be no nothing. It was a quick go. And it's like, I feel like a lot of people got rid of the sort of reality of pro wrestling and instead of doing like the, you know, big moves and the, rather than the actual shoot takedowns. And then the people that do the shoot takedowns now are like, oh, they're shooters. It's like, but no, like that's just standard. Fundamental. Wrestling. Yeah. Like this is beginner shit and you're, you're getting blown away by somebody doing like a quick roll through into a submission. And it's like, that's a, fundamental pro wrestling move like um i think a lot of things are missing in pro wrestling now are just like you know um creativity to some respect uh i think that there's a lot of people doing 
you know, uh, I call it the sociopaths approach to pro wrestling. It's like they read a book on pro wrestling and then they've tried to emulate it. And that's comes across a lot. Um, if you're in the ring, I, there was a guy when I was coming up and we wrestle him and he wouldn't think like, what should I do next? He would go like, what would steamboat steamboat do here? Or what would flair do here? And it's like, you're just emulating. You're not right. Thinking, you're not wrestling. You're not thinking for yourself. And there are a lot of guys now who are like, what would Osprey do here? What would, you know, uh, what would so-and-so do here? And they start pulling in like these names and just taking their shit. And it doesn't really make sense. So you have to kind of like figure out like one, how to become a good wrestler. And then two, like how to make it unique to you. Don't just do what you've seen literally everybody else do. I see if I see one more springboard fucking cutter, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind because every single match has one. Yeah. What are you you gaining? What's the, what's the point here? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because it it basically sounds like everybody wants to be a cover band, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't even say cover band though. I think it's the problem. It's the same thing with comedians. Like comedians will start telling jokes and they'll start telling, they get into comedy because somebody has a style of joke they like. And like, I want to be like him. And then they just emulate that person and they just, are that person because that's how they've been listening to jokes forever. And now it's like, that's the cadence they understand. And then they have to find their own voice. It is what it is. Like it's, it's natural to some extent, but like, you know, I don't, I think people don't ever veer out of their comfort zone. People always kind of like, this is the match I do. And it's like, no, take what you do and pull it into a different way. Like be creative about how you get to that spot as opposed to no, it's duck one, this, you know, like I, I just think that people, kind of get lazy or set in their ways or they don't think creatively on how to make a wrestling match. I think also in a lot of ways, you know, people can be inspired by somebody, but you can't take that too far where all of a sudden you come across as a 2.0 of somebody. Um, And we've seen that with a lot of guys who they either big fans of somebody and then they got into the business and all of a sudden they started to do a lot of what, the person they saw did. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Undertakers. There are a lot of Stone Colds. There are a lot of Shawn Michaels. There are a lot of all these people. But again, like, you know, like Mick Foley says that Bubba Ray Dudley was a huge Cactus Jack ripoff, but like Bubba made it himself. Like, right. So it's not a problem to be inspired by somebody. It's a problem when your inspiration stops at that person. Okay. So kind of going down that, that, train of thought here so who did you who inspired you or was somebody is or is there anybody individually that you would look at and you would say i like the way they work or i like the way they do this was there anybody who stood out above all others well when you're a kid obviously you have like your macho mans i had my macho man i had my you know that concept i had mr perfect at one point um i wasn't really a hulk hogan guy i just never had it when i got like older and i started liking like wrestling wrestling and i started liking liking the um the nuances of pro wrestling, I'd say it was Dean Malenko, William Regal and Yuji Nagata. And, yep. those are my three. and if you watch me wrestle, you'll never pick up anything I do from them. But those are the ones that I like the most. There'll be little things that you see me do that you're like, Oh, that's, but for the most part, you won't really like I do Dean Malenko's leg lariat. Like that's something I took directly from Dean Malenko because I loved it. Um, so that's, that's it. But those are my three. And then you watch and wrestling, and you're like, how the fuck is that? Those are your influence. Those are your influences, but it's true, I, you know. Yeah, we hear a lot of uh, Lord Stephen Regal, um, especially just for the fact that he's so technically sound and he's so good at what he does, and it's so believable what believable. he does. That's it. He, he looks like he's stiffing the shit out of you, 
And he's one of those guys, and, and jump in here and, and let me know how you feel, but he literally looks like at one point in time, any point in time, he could bend you eight ways from Sunday and make you scream if he really wanted to. That's the perception that he gives, and I, I feel like – It's an authenticity. No, I believe it is. <laughs> I think it's the authenticity of it more than the perception. He um he did this these things where you do palm strikes. It's like this to yep. people, and it's because you can't do a closed fist. So that when he did a close fist, it was even shittier. And it was like, that's the stupid little thing that most people aren't going to pick up on, but they'll notice. And they don't notice, they notice it. When Regal, it was like, at any point, if you if you wanted to move, you, you were being moved. And it's that's something that you can't. And when he looked like he was disgusted, he was disgusted. When he looked like he was angry, he was angry. When he looked like he was having a good time, he was having a good time. Like You believed every element of what he was doing. Um, and he's like the kind of, you know, if I'm going to be a heel, I want to be a William Regal heel. I noticed that whole disgusted aspect if it was something that – and I don't know if Triple H was ever influenced by Lord Stephen Regal, but just – Was he his protege in WCW, I think, at one point? I, in some ways, I kind of thought that he he was, but, I mean, just when he be, when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, yeah. um, you know, from – you know, Greenwich or wherever like that, just the things he would do, the looks, he would roll his tongue. He was prim and proper. I felt like a lot of that was very Stephen Regal-esque. It was from the school of just carrying yourself a certain way, putting on a perception of this smugness. And I think that instantly starts to get people to look at you and then they see what you can do in the ring. And then obviously it carries on from there. Right, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's fair. So you're you're doing backyard wrestling, all that stuff's going on. Uh, what are your folks saying at this point in time? Like, is anybody saying don't do that? Or I don't think know. anyone said do it. I don't think anyone was very pro <laughs> me being a pro wrestler. Like, who would be like eating my mom's gonna be like, yeah, go fuck yourself up. <laughs> no money for 21 years. Um, no, she she. You know, it was always like a thing I did, and then I think that that was a phase, and then now it's like that phase is, you know, well into adulthood. Um, so I, I think that phase concept has worn off a little bit. But no, she's very, uh, you know, I wouldn't say she's not supportive, but she's not exactly a cheerleader for it. That's how I would word that. Because- we get a lot of, uh, when we talk to wrestlers, we get a lot of that as far as mom responses. Yeah. Meaning yeah. they'll do it, but we're not necessarily signing off on our endorsement. But we'll be supportive to an extent. It's funny because my brothers are like that. They're supportive. And then like now they're like, what are you doing right <laughs> now? I don't want to quit. I like it too much. It's better than, you know, regular work. It's the most fun I've had in a long time. So why, why wouldn't I do it, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's weird. Like you try and go through life to be like, you try and like, you're like, I'm going to chase my dreams, but like, I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So like, they're like, man, maybe don't chase your dreams. Maybe get a job working for the town or something. Like, you know, you want to make sure that you're taken care of. You have a pension. Like that's all they ever cared about. So now it's like wrestling. I'm 21 years in. I have no pension from wrestling and you know, but you got memories. I got memories in a four horseman shirt and that's kind of <laughs> and much like the shirt memories are fading. So. Oh. so Dan, well, which one does your family have a, a better time going to your wrestling shows or your comedy? Um, my mom would prefer to go to a comedy show, but I feel like she, uh, 
wouldn't like a lot of the jokes I say. I uh, I will say that my uh, my brothers like the wrestling show. I think more. I'm I'm not positive. I haven't really. No, we're Irish. So we don't really compliment each other all that well much. So it's it's much more like, uh, what are you doing after? Like that's as far as it gets. So <laughs> what are you doing after? Yeah, what are you doing after? You go, you go food, the diner. That's it. You don't get really like that was great. Like it doesn't it doesn't flow that way. We're not those yeah. people. <laughs> do do they ever? You know, were they ever excited about people that you introduced them to, or or was it just wrestling as a whole just really wasn't their thing? I did Holy Foley, and that was like a big thing for them. Where it was like I was on a reality show, and I was with a wrestler, and it was, I was a known wrestler. Um, I wrestled at City Field once, and they were really excited about that. Uh, when I wrestled in Ireland, um, they surprised me and came. My mom, my brother, um, came and surprised me. But as a whole, um, you know, my favorite things I've ever done in wrestling maybe involve people they wouldn't give a shit about, and that's how I think about it. Like. Yeah, like I've been on the show with cool people, but like that's not my favorite moments. You know what I mean? Like that, my favorite moments are different and probably smaller scale and so on. But to them, oh, you wrestle at City Field? Oh, you run a show at Mick Foley? Like that's my check marks. You know what I mean? That that's as far as it goes for me. So you you start the training. You're you're working. Um, obviously, you're working some shows. Mikey's critiquing you, kind of honing things down. So to take a step backwards, your first show, um, what, how did you feel going into that? Did you ever feel like, hey, I am ready to go in front of a live audience? Or, or did you have that trepidation that a lot of a lot of people have before they go out? Your first, like, so the first show I did was like a student show. So like you're kind of like your family and friends are there and you just, you know, stink up a ring for eight minutes and you go home. So like it's a little different. Um, my first show outside of like a school setting um i was just anxious to get out there that's all i kept thinking about i was like i want to get out there and i want to do things and um we were i want to say like fourth on the card or something like that and that fourth took forever to get there like it felt like two hours up to my match and then i wrestled and it was like the most excited i'd been and then my my partner got blown up immediately and he quit <laughs> wrestling the next day like it really wasn't like the best, but it was. It he was quit like, the yeah. next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, my that he like, he was somebody who was only on the show because he was one of like the students who had been there forever, and they were like, "We're gonna put him on a show. We're gonna make him dance partner." And we actually had a good rapport. And I was like, "If you could have committed, we could have had fun." And he instead he was like, "No, I'm gonna quit wrestling, whatever." Um, but when you start wrestling, like to me, my second match ever, I broke my orbital bone. So like, uh, it's a student show too. So like you, you know, at some point you're like, I just want to get out there. Like I've gotten the shit kicked out of me. My, my, I've had my face broken. I've been beat up. I want to get out and wrestle on a show and have a, a phenomenal match. And so it was so exciting. And even if the crowd wasn't super, I think the crowd was very into it. If I remember correctly, uh, they were into it because they had seen like kind of, um, it was 2001, right? So you're seeing like a lot of guys who like couldn't go the way that like TV wrestling was going. And then you had us doing like a moonsault. It's like, oh shit, that's the craziest thing we've ever seen in person. And so as a result, it was a good show. But at the end of the day, it wasn't, uh, I was more happy that I got it out of my system to be like, all right, good. Now I can move on to bigger and better things. And I never did. So <laughs> that's not true. We all know that that's not true. Fade, so faded into obscurity. And that was it. 
so you're doing your thing, you're wrestling, time goes by, years go by. Was there anybody, Dan, that ever pulled you aside and, and had some of those words of wisdom or, hey, buddy moments or let's drink a beer and chat about something or anything like that? Any mentorship where somebody who, after a show was over, saw what you did and, and had a few words for you? So there's always been like wrestlers who like try and take you under their wing. And like, there's always been like great dudes like that. And there's a couple of people that like, you know, thinking I could probably think back and like, you know, there are people who don't wrestle anymore that definitely did that. And then, um, but it's also a very competitive scene. So like if I'm going for a spot and you're in that spot, it's like, that's, you know, people get very shitty about that for some reason. Um, I think for me, it was always like, who's in the car with you? is always the most important thing in the world is who's in the car where you dictates what your life's going to be like on the road. If you can be in a car with people for hours and hours and hours and like go do a show and come back. Um, it's great. If you're in a car with somebody and you fucking hate two of the three people in the car with you, like <laughs> it's just going to be miserable. So I was lucky enough that I had decent cars up until forever. Um, Mikey took a liking to me, which was huge. Mikey was, um, a guy like ECW guy. I loved ECW. So Mikey was a guy that I was like, this guy knows his shit. He's been everywhere. And Mikey took a liking to me and he liked me a bit. And uh, I think that that helped me a lot coming up because um, he would never mince words. Like if I did something stupid, he'd be like, that was stupid. If I did something good, he'd be like, that was great. You know, um, I think the next one after that would be Foley, which was, um, you know, Foley was uh, somebody I saw in like 2006 and he liked me for some reason. And then from that point on, he was like one of the main reasons I started getting paid doing comedy. Uh, he got me in Holy Foley. Like he did a lot for me. Um, and it started with him just seeing me wrestle once in 2006. Do you feel like the transition into comedy was pretty natural? It just kind of felt right to just to kind of. I always fantasize about it, right? Like I'd always wanted to do it. I'm, I was, you know, one of the things about growing up the way you do, like I, I grew up in a family where it's like, get a job. I started working at 13 years old. Like it was, you know, you never like, um, you always had to like do that because we didn't have the money to go out and like not, if I wanted anything in the world, I had to go earn the money to go do it. So I, my chasing dreams thing, had always been like kind of falling to the wayside of like, make sure you have a job and pay for your things and whatever. Um, and then, I always liked comedy and I always tried to be funny. Um, it's a very different lifestyle to be like a funny person versus a comedian. Like, yes, there's a huge transition there. Um, and I had always thought about doing comedy or trying comedy. And then I was working, I used to be, I used to work in television. And one of the guys I was working on a show with was named, his name's Tom Papa. And he's a very funny comedian. Um, and he was the host of the show. And he had said to me in passing one day, um, you know, you should try doing comedy. You seem like you have the cadence of a comedian. And then another person who said it was Bobby Fish, which was very weird to me to say out loud. But like he was, we were at a comedy show in uh, Union City, New Jersey. And I was telling a story and he's like, you, like, I think you could be a comedian. Like you should try it or whatever. And so I took a little time and then I got laid off from my job and I had a week and I was like, oh, I'll do an open mic. And I just did an open mic. And then it was like, oh, that's, that's next. That's, uh, and, uh, I had a couple of instances where I was like, I'm just going to stop because I don't want to do it. And then I was like, why am I doing that? I, I want to chase every dream I have. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when I wanted to become a wrestler, I didn't say I wanted to become famous or on TV or anything like that. I wanted to be a wrestler. And so now it's like, I want to be a comedian. I don't, 
need to be on late night. I don't need to be on these shows. I want to be a fucking comedian. I want to be somebody that somebody goes, that's a comedian. And like, I can go on stage and I can do well and I can make people laugh. And then that's all I want. It's a very simple uh, lifestyle, I think, for me. I think in a lot of ways, there's some parallels between the wrestling aspect and the comedy, uh, the com- comedy, the, the, the comedy, aspects. the comedy yeah. aspects, uh, because you got to have confidence in yourself. You got to feel comfortable in front of an audience, but you got to have guts. I mean, it's so there's a, more. it's their parallel lines. They're parallels. Everything about comedy and wrestling is the fucking same. At the end of the day, it's a small market subdivision of entertainment. And in that small market subdivision of entertainment, you have the same bullshit you deal with as you go through. My first wrestling match, I had to sell tickets to get onto. And if I didn't sell my tickets, I wasn't going to get on the show. My first comedy show, I had to sell six tickets before I could even go up on stage. The first match you have is never really good, but you always feel like it's amazing. My first comedy, match, my first comedy show felt like that. You have short amount of time in the beginning, and you develop time as you go along. And when you get to a point, you can have longer matches. You start having longer matches. It's same thing with comedy, and it's the same like everything about it's fundamentally the same. So when I got into comedy, I had already gone through the wrestling locker room bullshit, and I had already gotten through like all that like politics and nonsense. So my first day in a comedy green room, I sat there and I was like, "Oh, this is the same bullshit." So if I'm just not the guy who tries to be the funny guy in the green room and I don't try to be the loud guy in the green room, and if I'm just polite and nice to people, I'll probably get pretty far because people will be like, oh, this guy's not a piece of shit. And that's right. literally all it took. It took me not being a huge piece of shit for people <laughs> to be like, oh, well, you just bring this guy around. And so it worked out for me, you know? Um, and then for wrestling, as you study a lot of tapes, for comedy, you write a lot. Just write. And then you write and you go into an open mic in front of people who don't give a fuck that you're there and you tell jokes over a coffee machine and then that's it. That's your life for a year, two years, however long it takes for you until you start getting shows. And then luckily my first paid gig was uh, opening for Mick Foley. So wow. It's full circle. It does, isn't it? Wow. That's crazy. I think Dan Barry can write a book. Hey, just, just don't be an asshole. If I, if I was a legible writer, I think that, <laughs> I wanted to do a TED talk about everything I learned in life. I learned from pro wrestling. And then that would be the title. And, but then I'd have to actually come up with material for it. And fuck, I don't know if I can. Do it. <laughs> it's like, don't so, do coke. <laughs> That's a list. Move on. So is there any aspect of wrestling? I mean, obviously you, you love doing it and it's been a passion of yours for a long time, but you know, we do hear about politics and we do hear about all the cutthroatness and the backstabbing and, you know, it, it just exists. That's just the nature of the beast, um, whether it's in wrestling or corporate America or wherever. Everybody's fighting to get to the next, you know, the next step in their career. Um, does that ever get to you when it comes to wrestling where it's like, God, I love it. But this other stuff that happens, it just seems to take the fun out of it. It like sucks the fun out of the room when all of this other shit's going on and you try to block it out. I think with any of it, it's, it's how I word this in a way that I feel like I won't bury myself. Um, the politics are always going to be there. It, there's no, it's never going away, right? Like any, any job you have is going to have, it's always, my theory is uh, the drama never changes. Only the scenery does. It's right. the same shit, no matter where you go. Right. So when you think about wrestling politics, at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of it's conjured up by wrestlers who can't fathom the fact that they're not getting over. Like, I'm not 
on TV right now? Is it because of politics or is it because people are like, we don't think he's going to make money on TV? I would lean towards the latter. You know what I mean? Like, but there are people out there who's like, nah, fucking so-and-so does heat with me and he doesn't like that I did whatever. And it's like, you're not that important. I feel like a lot of people feel like the politics of pro wrestling is like all encompassing. And it's like, this is why I didn't succeed. It's like, you ever stop and think that maybe you're the reason you didn't succeed? Like, you know, I didn't go to the gym and get giant and swollen and become this shredded fitness guy. So I'm sure nobody was like, we got to get this guy in our poster. Like I'm sure that <laughs> happened. Whose fault is that? Is it theirs for not seeing the entertainment side of it? Or is it mine for not putting in the effort? I would argue it's mine, but there are people who would say otherwise, you know? Um, I think people want to make themselves feel more important than they are. Uh, and so it has to be politics. That's why it didn't work. Something can happen in politics. Most of, more often than not, wrestling's really fucking boring. Um, I, I think it's Chris Hero who said, like, what's well, basically a lot of wrestlers who say, like, I don't get paid to wrestle. When I get paid for a show, it's not for what I do in the ring. It's for literally everything else surrounding pro wrestling. And I think that is the true uh, nature of the beast. I don't deal with the, you know, don't get involved in, like, the petty infighting and the bullshit and the, you know, oh, I hate this person because they stole my move. Like, fucking who cares? Like, what, your springboard cutter? Is that what they stole from you? <laughs> I mean, it's the same shit all the time. It's 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 so pointless, and I feel like a lot of people get hung up on the dumbest shit because that's that's what they have. You know, nobody's you know. Well, if you never watched a relative die, that's that's way worse than anything that you're complaining about in fucking indie wrestling. It just is. So that's the truth of it. I feel like a lot of people like have like that sort of like, you know, it can be really fucking shitty sometimes, but I love it. It's like no man, it doesn't even exist. You everyone everyone makes it. All politics and drama and pro wrestling is like self-created and then self-fulfilled. That's that's how I find it. There's always going to be bullshit, but it's never any different than if you were working at Starbucks. Like, it's the same. So, Brenda's on the fucking coffee beans again. This is bullshit. Brenda's probably blowing the ball. Like, no. You're just better at the register and they don't trust Brenda without the beans. Like, you know, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Is is there anybody that when you're on a show or you find out they're going to be on a show with you, you're just like, this is going to be fun. I don't give a shit what happens. We're going to be on a show together and this person or this group of people are just, we just click and we have a good time when we're together. Is there a, a little contingent of people that you look forward to getting a chance to work with? Yeah. I love the besties in the world. Those guys are the coolest dudes in the world. I love them. We got stuck in Europe a little for a while together and we had a really good time. Um, I really liked when the Rascals were on the Indies because I got along with them very well. Um, you know, when you're with, I tag with my partner Bill, he and I basically made fun wherever we went. It was like, didn't matter what we were doing, we were having fun, and that was the driving force of it. I don't, there, I mean, I'm sure there are people who don't like me in pro wrestling. I don't really care. It's, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's, you know, I look at it like this I'm, I'm not a religious person, but like somebody tried to shoot the Pope once. It's like, if that guy's getting shot at, like, well, how, what hope do I have? That gonna hurt me? You know what I mean? Like, that, that's real heat right there. Real fucking heat. Yeah, he's like, John Lennon's biggest fan killed him. Like, think about that. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine. Like, I expect everyone to like me. Uh, you know, I think at one point I really wanted that. Like, I'm gonna be the guy. Everyone's like, no. Like, fucking people are gonna hate me. People are gonna be nice to me and talk shit about me when I'm not in a room. Like it is what it is. Like I, I, I can't worry about that shit. Um, I feel I, like on a show, my goal is to take people around me and we're having a good time. Doesn't matter who's there. 
And you know, I don't care what your politics are. Like, let's just fucking hang out and bullshit. That should be rest. That should be what it should be. This is a, a, a group of friends. You know, you went to I went to AEW and did like dark matches, and it was like ninety percent of the time it's just people enjoying themselves because it's like you have nothing else to fucking do. You got to right. yourself. So this is true. Uh, speaking of comedy, obviously we we've know there's some people in in wrestling that are that are genuinely funny, not people who try to put on a a show or anything like that, or they need attention. You know, you mentioned Mick is kind of funny. Is there anybody else who's just generally naturally funny to be around? Like you literally just, you like being like rooming with somebody because they're just funny. I think uh, Eddie Kingston's very funny, but like for a variety of reasons, like just what makes him mad is so irrational. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Joey Eastman, which is a guy uh, up in Sydney Bacabella, um, is genuinely funny and for no reason like there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to why he's being funny but it's fu it's great um i think bill my partner was very is very funny i think he has just a natural there's a really good story about him um it's one of my favorite stories actually uh we were supposed to do king of trios but i couldn't do it because i had another show that day so he ended up doing it and without me bill is like a loose cannon that's the only way i can describe it oh shit! so, so oh, he's supposed to be there at four he shows up at five <laughs> and he has so when wrestlers travel you have your gear bag and you have your merch bag he had a gear bag and a crave case from white castle and he walked into the locker room opened the crave case and just started eating white castle burgers and no one knew what to make of it so Joey Styles is walking by because Joey Styles is in the company at that point, and he's walking by, and Bill looks and goes, "Hey, Joey, we're gonna get those, those uh, that mac and cheese later. It's gonna be real good, man." All right, see you. Because <laughs> so random, no idea, no fucking idea. Any wow, bit. that's Bill. Um, I think some people are just funny. Um, you know. I think there are also people who like really try to be funny and it's like fucking painful, but um, <laughs> more often than not, everything's very situa situationally funny. Everything's very situationally funny. So. Oh man. The, the, uh, I, I gotta admit that this is probably one of the, the more open, more lighthearted, you know, interviews that we've, we put out there and I have nothing to lose. You understand? Like at this point, <laughs> You want me to shit on somebody? I'll shit on. Them. I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I've been doing this long enough that, like, what? What? What's going to happen? Someone's going to listen to this and be like, "I can't believe Dan Barry gave out the inner secrets of the fuck out of here." Like, no one cares. <laughs> wrestling is a fucking joke. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy. I don't mean wrestling jokes. I love wrestling, but like, you know, don't people take shit like way too seriously? And who, like, was, who was? Who was the guy, I want to say in 83, he did the whole thing with John Stossel about the secrets and whatever, and everyone hates him. Um, oh, my gosh. He recently just got inducted into one of the Wrestling Hall of Fames, but it was like a program that they did with 2020, and it's like he got nuclear heat, and it was just like, did people, and I mean this with all sincerity, did people legitimately believe that a clown or a man running around with a two by four or a garbage man were actually trying to hurt each other. Well, the thing about wrestling is that people have known wrestling's fake forever. It's like everyone's known. 
And wrestling has this weird, like, the carny element of wrestling. Like, the start of pro wrestling was just bamboozling people out of money. That was the entire point of it. So now they have that same carny mentality where it's like, we got to fucking lie to get ahead. It's like, just understand it's a show. And if you treat it as a show, then you can kind of relax. Like, I'll, everyone get, you know, I'll say, I don't like Cornette, right? But like, Cornette will be like, you have to preserve kayfabe and the sort of understanding and like the reason that wrestling isn't in a high point now is because um you know uh people gave up kayfabe and it's like that's that could not be further from the truth people don't care as much about wrestling now because they have so many other fucking programs to watch and you're watching less wrestling because you're watching more more random tv shows or you're watching ufc or the people that grew up in wrestling like our grew wrestling have started doing this Wrestling makes a shitload of money still. It's still an incredibly profitable company. The ratings aren't as high, and they attributed to Roman Reigns being on top or whatever, or fucking Subing. It's because there's more shit happening. There is. And you have DVRs, and you have YouTube, and you have clips, and you have all these things that break down your segments and pull away viewers, and the Nielsen ratings are fucking useless, and everyone knows that now, but they keep them because, meh. You don't need them. You don't need the fucking Nielsen's. Like, it's all stupid. So as a result, like, everyone kind of attributes, you know, wrestling's failures and all this other bullshit to, uh, you know, the preservation of K-Babe and things like that. And it's just not a real expectation. It's just not. I'm a very, like, you know, I kind of, like, brush things off. Like, fucking who cares? That's not important, you know? So you're you're a big fan of uh, Jim Cornette then, right? Oh, he can suck every dick. I don't like him <laughs> at all. Here's the thing. It's not even a lot of his fucking takes. I'm like, yep, he's correct. 100%. A lot of them. I can't say all of them because I think some of them are real shitty. But there are a lot of takes where he's like, these guys are doing this and it makes no fucking sense. And you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to defend it. That's a, He's 100% right. But when he tells people to kill themselves on his fucking radio show, it's like, oh, you're just a fucking scumbag. Like, you're going yes. on Twitter. He told me he said some terrible shit to me one day. And it's like over a spot in a show that you did not understand and you ignored. And you're like, you ruined wrestling. It's like, motherfucker, you wrestled a Ninja Turtle. Like, don't come on here and start talking about how you're for the preserving pro wrestling. It's like, you wrestled a Ninja Turtle. Well, that Ninja Turtle was a better wrestling you'll ever be. It's like that you didn't deny that you wrestled a Ninja Turtle. You're just passing the buck because you're a prick. That's it. You can. I don't disagree with a lot of what he's saying. I just don't. You can't. Anybody who understands pro wrestling will look at what he says and goes, "This is right. This is right. This is wrong. This is right." You can't. I don't agree with him a hundred percent. But then it's the messaging. It's the saying terrible shit to female wrestlers because you're trying to get over with the fucking shitty fan base. Like you're you're just a bad person, and you you're playing to the lowest common denominator, and you know you are, and yeah. you're being shitty about it. Like that's it. You know. I think Vince Russo is a fucking idiot too. Like I, I, the two of them can go fuck themselves. Like it doesn't matter, but at least more often than not, Vince Russo is not shitting on everybody and telling them to fucking kill themselves. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I know what you mean. They don't like each other. Like I'll say this. People hate Meltzer. I don't hate Meltzer. I think he says some shitty things. Sometimes I, I can say that he said things recently where I'm like, where the fuck is that coming from? But people take his ratings and they go, Meltzer's a fucking, piece of shit who only likes the following it's like yo it's an opinion like 
The dude's telling you what he thinks about pro wrestling. You don't even have to agree with him. Who gives a shit? People <laughs> feel like they have to be like angry. Like, what are you going to be angry about? I didn't wake up this morning like I'm going to be fucking yelling at somebody because, you know, Raw's on right now. Uh, this is supposed to be pretending like I'm live. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but like people, I ended up booking a comedy show in the middle of this. And I forgot completely. And I was like, fuck, what are we going to do? And he's like, can we do it the day before? I'm like, yeah. So that's the only reason this is not this is pre-recorded, guys. I'm very sorry, but like, watch Raw and people are like mad about things. It's like, yeah, like just don't like it. Like, what are you right. fucking mad about? Oh, oh, Bianca Belair got beaten two seconds. Yeah, it was shitty. She still get paid. You're mad? Has no one died in your family? Like, that's what my problem is. Like, there's no realistic expectation of like how to treat people, like what people, how people respond to things, like. This is not 9-11. This is literally a fucking wrestling angle on a TV show. Like, that's it. Then why, Dan, then why is it everybody literally, maybe it's just a small contingent of people, but like, you know, you bring up Jim or whatnot. Does he just, has he just never left his own little bubble and lived a life outside of anything else other than this? And that that's why it's all in a vacuum. Everything that happens to him, it has to revolve around that, or he doesn't know what to do. Um, there are certain kids in the world who talk about how great high school was and they never leave it. And their biggest achievements were in high school. And they always talk about like, man, I, I was on the football team. And those people grow up too. And they still talk about high school much in that same way. Jim Cornette had his heyday. And then now he lives in that fucking heyday. Right. And he claims he, I don't say he claims he was part of wrestling in his boom. Mm-hmm. I will also say he was part of wrestling in its fucking decline. Yeah. Uh, so to say like this is the way things are, da, 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 like wrestling did better with and without Jim Cornette. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he had nothing else to hold on to. And it's the only shred of relevancy he has. And it's not a bad thing. Like, I, you know, if you have knowledge in something, which he does, impart the knowledge. Tell your opinions on it. Be personality. Be funny about it. But to be like, this person is a fucking piece of shit and everyone should attack him and sell him he's a fucking asshole. Come on. Like, what are you doing? You know what you're doing. You know you're manipulating the people. And then you go on your show and you say Donald Trump's a lying, manipulative piece of shit. And it's like, well, man, like, fucking pot meat the kettle. That's all I'm going to say about you, buddy. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get into politics on this because if you hear my politics, uh, fuck, I'm really liberal. But, like, to hear him shitting on Trump and then use the same fucking tactics in all of his interviews. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're just a piece of shit. Be honest. Be who you are. Don't put on a show because you need to fucking get ratings. How much do you think is shtick and how much do you believe that is literally just who he is as a person? I think it's 80% shtick. 80%. Easy. I was going to say, it's it's got to be at some point because – What are you always mad about? How can you wake up that mad? That's what can, I'm saying. Like, you no can't. No human being – and if he has high – like. I stopped listening to the show however long ago, like before he even hated me. Like he has, I just get, he's just at some point I'm like, this is just so much negativity. I don't need it. So there are points where he's happy. There's points where he talks about things he likes, but then it's almost no one listens to the shows about him praising something. It's always shows about him hating something. Right. Because people bond over things they hate people. You move into a new job. You don't bond over, oh, I like football too. You bond over, I fucking hate Deborah and accounting. And that's 100% what happens, and that's what he's doing. 
He's bringing people together over hate. It's fucking dumb. Especially, especially that bitch who does the beans. What's her name? Fucking Brenda and the beans. Yeah, fuck you, Brenda. She's hey, the hey. reason I'm, I'm working the fucking register again, and I have to try and spell this fucking weirdo's name. Uh, uh, I want to <laughs> apologize to Brenda and accounting. Uh, he it's Deborah and accounting. And it's Brenda. Deborah. Oh, 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 Brenda's oh, making the beans. Oh, Deborah. He did not know your name. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Fucking Deborah. Jeez. What a piece. Um, but that's that. That's my opinion. And you know what? It's people are going to listen to it and be like, he's an asshole. They can say, um, they can disagree or agree with me, whatever you want. I, I don't care. <laughs> and, you know, this is it. Uh, but nothing with Cornette, I'll move on. Is that one of the things I really hate is when somebody says like, you know, like, Oh, like if your grandparents are racist, it's like, well, they're not racist. They were just raising a different generation. It's like, no, they're racist. You have to acknowledge that they're racist. And what you're basically saying is at some point people stop learning. Right. And I fucking can't get over that. That's not true. You can always learn to be different. True. And I think for people like a Cornette or people, these people who I'll even say Russo because he's fucking stuck in like titties or TV. Like those people don't learn that things change and why they change. They go, they change because people stop believing in kayfabe or they change because no, it's not fucking true. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. They change because people change and you guys can grow up. Do, do you feel that we've talked to some other wrestlers and they've said before, and I literally shot this question at them. I said, when you get done with a match, whether it's on TV or a pay-per-view or whatever it may be, do you like run to your phone or maybe not run is not the right way to say it, but do you go to your phone to see who's tweeting about you or if you're trending or if anything like that? And some of the guys said, oh yeah, we know a contingent without naming names who literally live and die based upon how many tweets are being mentioned about them or so every single wrestler, every single wrestler. I had a feeling there are people out there going, no, I don't fucking, you're full of shit. You're <laughs> full of shit. We live in a world where we base our self-worth on the likes and retweets of other fucking people because we live in that world. We are entertainers. Our job is to entertain, and we want to know, was I entertaining? Right. The question of it is not whether or not you do it, but whether or not that's what eats you up when you go home at night. That's it. So for me, do I vanity search? 1,000%. I'm a human being who has entered into a world of entertainment who wants real-life responses, which is why I'm in live shows. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm wrestling in front of a crowd because I like applause. I, you know what I'm saying? I like that. So when I get off the stage, it's now like, where else am I getting my applause? Let me check Twitter to make sure I got something. Oh, they made a GIF of this move I did or whatever. Me personally, I'm a fucking psycho. I look for all the hate tweets and I send them to myself and I send it and I write, LOL, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I don't necessarily, I used to quote tweet them because I thought they were funny, but then you end up getting the people who like attack them and it's like, it turns into a whole thing. I don't want that. I want to be able to laugh at somebody hating me and be okay with it because I don't, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like there are people like Dan Barry's the worst wrestler alive. Okay, the crowd liked the match. I was here for them. I'm right. not wrestling for you on Twitter who's now mad because I'm doing something you don't like. I don't fucking care. I'm here for the crowd. I'm here for the claps. I'm here for the applause. I'm here for that. That's what I'm here for. And then money, hopefully. 
I was going to say, I think it was, I don't know what late night show does mean tweets, but yeah. I would love to have a wrestler's version of mean tweets or just ridiculous tweet and just have the wrestler themselves sit here and read them. I think that would be entertaining. The only issue is that wrestlers don't have comedic timing. So a lot of them just kind of like they write, read something and then their response to it will be this long winded response about whatever. True. And it's like, they forget that things should be punchy. And right. Should, like, you know, I just think that there should be, you know, somebody like timing them being like, hey, one line, get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> you know, but like wrestling, like uh, my favorite is like wrestling reviews. People write a wrestling review and they'll say like terrible things about you. And it's like, you know, I, if someone sends it to me, I'll respond to it. And then they'll be like, oh, look at you being a fucking huge piece of shit. It's like <laughs> you literally just shit all over me as a human being. Said I was an asshole or whatever you said based on a match you didn't like. Like, it's just, I don't get it. Like, it's just fucking so dumb. And I feel like people are very self-important. It's like, I'm the most important person in my world. And it's like, that's how we got in this fucking mess in the first place. So maybe, uh, you know, don't be a huge piece of shit. Don't be a huge piece of shit. And there's no reason to get get that over. Because look what happened to John Lennon. Right. Like, (laughs) his biggest fan killed him. Think about that. It's and you're not here to be a dick to people. Like, what are you doing? Yep. Selena. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Selena got fucking killed by her fan. Like, you know, it's fucking dumb. And these people just don't get it. They just, you know, I, I would go on a tirade against people right now, but I just don't. It's just, I'm going to go watch TV, pet my dog, eat some Halo Top because I'm not eat real ice cream anymore. Ooh, like, Halo Top. It's not oh, good, oh, dude. Oh. Well, what's your favorite kind of Halo Top? Uh, it's like a cookie dough or vanilla bean. And a vanilla we, bean only because we're Halo Top people. I am not. I am very cherry <laughs> or fucking cold stone. I am like, not. I am not. It's it's a fill-in. It's the Diet Coke of ice cream. It's not right. what you want it to be. I am very much I, – I can make my own ice cream. I do all that. And right now it's like, Ooh. all right, Dan, you're trying to lose weight. I've lost a lot of weight, so I feel good. So it's like, okay, I can reward myself with ice cream. It's like, well, you can't have real ice cream because you only have 300 calories left on the day. And it's like, well, that's Halo Top then. because. So with the Halo Top, okay. The Halo Top is – here's my thought about that. I'm trying to lose weight too, Dan. So I stay away from the the homemade versions or whatever you call them, right? Haagen-Dazs, whatever. So I get the Halo Top. So I'm talking to Jerry on the phone. And I'm telling Jerry's like, are you sticking with your diet and whatnot? I said, yeah, so be it as close as possible. I said, but you got to, you got to treat yourself. He said, well, how many calories you got left for the rest of the day? And uh, he said, you always want to make a deficit, always want to make a deficit. And I said, well, I got like 600 calories left. And I said, so I'm going to eat this ice cream. That's only 300. So I can have, I'll still have a 300 deficit or it'll be, this is how many calories I'm allotted. So I'm going to eat the dessert to stop me at the amount that I'm supposed to stop at. Is it wrong to eat a whole pint of Halo? I don't think it, cause there's not much in it. It goes, through, it's not really. So here's, here's my, here's what I've been told by a diet, by the guy who's working on my diet for me, right? I have 1800 calories in a day. That's it. No more, no less. 1800 calories. Of the 1800 calories, I have to eat 130 grams of protein. That's it. If I hit my 130 grams of protein and then I keep my sugars low and I keep my carbs somewhat low, we're good. 
I should see results. I'm in the gym often enough now. I'm training hard enough that at some point that's going to pay off for me. Right. I've already noticed a payoff. I feel phenomenal. He goes, his perspective, he goes, look, if you hit your protein goal and you see ice cream and you want ice cream, eat some fucking ice cream. He's like, don't, he's like, what are you doing? You know, you're not here to like starve yourself to look okay, but be miserable. Like, it's the, he's a, the dick, big thing is maybe don't have it Monday, Tuesday, maybe have it Monday and then maybe not have it again until Friday. Like make sure you understand what you're doing and make smart decisions, but don't just go, well, uh, I'm allowed to have ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Like, so just make your decisions. The thing about Halo Top is it's basically fake ice cream. So you're just eating the diet soda of ice cream. So is it okay? Yeah. Eat in abundance, you're gonna have a fucking problem. And that problem's <laughs> likely to be diarrhea. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Oh man! Wow. Yep. wow. And that's what I want to end on. For the record, I want to end on don't eat too much diarrhea. Don't um, yeah, don't eat too much diarrhea or ice cream. That would be bad. That would be uh, that would be the end of it. <laughs> Dan Barry is joining us, and it's so much fun talking to somebody who not only loves wrestling but somebody who gets it. Meaning they enjoy what they do, they can enjoy the aspect of it, but they don't take it so seriously that they allow it to consume them and become a negative aspect in their life. You know, like you said before, I'm I'm not looking to be whatever. I was looking to be a wrestler, and right. I've accomplished that. I've said before that like on my obituary, I wanted to read Dan Barry Pro Wrestler. That's all I ever give a fuck about. And then I also want to help everyone who's younger than me or the young guys and new people, the, the you know, new women and men, wrestlers, anything who come into wrestling, anyone who comes into wrestling, help them be successful because that's everyone kind of tries to hold on to their spot. It's like, fuck my spot. Your spot, spot my spot, spot, your dog's spot, my liver yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask you here is this: What is your thought on the the current state of of wrestling? Do you feel like, hey, this new company's come around, things are really good, it's, it's going to get more, it's going to push everybody to work harder, or do you think that it's a fad? This this new company may or may not. What what is your take on the whole thing? Do you think it's going to explode again, or do you think maybe not so much? I think that um, there are people who love Walmart, and then there are people who love Target. And then there are people who like shopping local. At the end of the day, you're always going to have people who shop at Walmart. You're always going to have people who shop at Target. You're always going to have people who shop local. And as long as we keep that mindset, right, people, I think as long as AEW doesn't try and compete, as long as we keep it like this is just a wrestling company that runs on a separate night, um, it can last for a long time. I think WCW's biggest problem is that they try to be Coke. And the fact of the matter is, is that Pepsi makes a lot of money too. Yeah. So stop trying to be fucking Coke. There is a Coke. Be a Pepsi. Maybe Impact could be fucking RC Cola. Like it Shasta. Yeah. Yeah, it could be anything. Why do we have to make it? Why do we have to compete? You don't have to compete. It's a pointless endeavor. People can run in symphony and they won't have to compete with each other. And it makes it easier. And you can make not split and diversify your fans. Just have fans. People who like wrestling will watch wrestling. That's it. And now, especially more than ever, they can literally just go into their phone and find any wrestling they want to watch and just yep. hit play. That's it. So uh, I think it's a great time to be a wrestling fan if you like wrestling. I think if you like picking teams, uh, you're a shitty person. You should fuck yourself. <laughs> just fucking like things. Stop hating other things. Don't live by hate. What the fuck are we doing? Like, live there is, by liking. 
There's so many quotes here. There's so many quotes here. Yeah, I and love it. Taking out of context, and like, Dave Barry's a huge piece of shit. <laughs> and go, I don't fucking care. I might be. I am. There are wrestlers who definitely think I'm a piece of shit. You think you're the first? Like I'm. I don't care. I, I I've been doing this too long at this point. I think Mikey would have a fucking field day with this. Oh God, oh, yes. Tremendous, Dan. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, as as Mikey has told me on numerous occasions, I have this many fucks to give. Yeah, very funny. Well, well, Dan, I have one last question. Sure, and, 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 and and it's my favorite one. Oh, hot, hot tub time machine. Sure, you can go back in the time to any wrestling match in pro wrestling history. Take somebody out and put yourself in. What match is it? Oh, it's Hogan Andre, and I'm I'm Hogan. You're your fucking mind. I'm a goddamn <laughs> millionaire. <laughs> here we go, Andre. Here's the leg drop. I've done nothing for fucking ten minutes, and here it comes. You out of your fucking mind. I'm sure people are like, dude, there was a match in fucking IWG. No, fuck that. I want to have the easiest goddamn match and make the most fucking money. If you had asked 16, 18 year old Dan Barry, dude, I would have told you some fucking crazy ass. Mm-mm. 30, 38 year old Dan Barry. I want to be in the ring with Andre. Beat him for the fucking body slam. Daddy hits the slam. I hit a shitty leg drop. I pin him. Crowd's going wild. I leave the fucking Pontiac fucking smoke again. Uh, on that little golf cart. Yeah, on the fucking golf cart. Everyone's like, who the fuck was that guy? And he's fucking great. Ruined wrestling for the rest of everyone's life. Just everyone remembers fucking... Everyone who has like Hulkamania shirts has nice shitty like, like face. Oh. Oh. Barry Mania running wild. Oh, forget oh. it. You think I want to go an hour with Flair? Fuck you. 15 minutes with Andre. He might shit on you though. I mean, he did it to bad news. Whatever. The money that I've been making? I've held my nephew who shit on me and I didn't get paid for it. No. Fucking Andre turns around. Here comes the fucking slam. I hit the ropes. I hit the leg drop. Daddy's fucking rich and famous. That's it. That's it. I'm sure uh, you've heard like all sorts of like, oh, oh like yeah. Fred Harper's one, two, three kid Monday Night Raw. Like, no. Yes. Fuck you. That, that's the money match. Uh, or, or me versus Hogan. I'm Ultimate Warrior. Where I fucking beat Hogan. 100%. Do yeah. nothing. That's it. What do I what am I worried about? This is the way it should be, guys. I love it. I love it. Dan, just plug your social media. Where can people find you? Where's your next upcoming shows? Sure. Wrestling and for comedy. We would love to know so people can go ahead and get their tickets. I'm on stage right now in Rockville Center, New York. <laughs> Keep keeping. Uh, Friday, I'm at uh, WrestlePro in Union, New Jersey. And then I uh, – let's take a look at my calendar while I'm sitting here talking to you guys because that's probably the way I should do this. Um, you can follow me on social media at the Dan Barry on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't really post TikTok videos, but, you know, I'll be there. Um, I've got comedy in Danbury, Connecticut on the 10th of this month. I'm at Excite Pro Wrestling um, on – I'm sorry, next month because it's September – Excite Pro Wrestling on September 12th. I'm at NYWC in Deer Park on the 19th and on the 25th. And then I'll I have a secret show happening somewhere in Hicksville that'll probably be announced Ooh. soon. Uh featuring uh 
action figures. Wink, wink. Oh, I hope I, I like it. it. I hope I ruined it, and that's what I hope right now. Is it? Some... <laughs> I ruined it. Yeah, I hope I ruined it. But uh, anyway, so I have a couple great shows coming up. Uh, follow me on social media, that Dan Barry. Um, and you can find all my shows, and you can see pictures of my dog, and you can see pictures of me being just a fucking gym rat now. If Dan Barry's not your favorite wrestler after this uh, episode, I something is wrong with you. This is the most enjoyable conversation I I have ever participated so I'm in. I'm here for it, guys. I'm, this I'm is fantastic. As Mikey says, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, my retirement plan is to die. So you guys can love <laughs> me for as long as you have me. Right? You get your 401k money? Oh, let me let this stretch out over 20 years. No, one fucking crazy year. <laughs> it's a wild rage at 66. Yeah. Like 66 years old, Dan Bear's going bananas. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's me. That's how I'm going out. Oh, man. Oh, we have we have loved it. Is there any chance we could ask you to come back again and have some more fun sure. with us? Sure, this was fun. And maybe I'll do it live next time. We, we would love... <laughs> We would love that. Uh, Guys, follow Dan Barry. Uh, We're going to go ahead and post some stuff on uh, our account page on Twitter so you can follow and get the ticket information for wrestling shows and for comedy shows. Dan, it was so much fun. We will talk to you down the road, my friend. Absolutely. Pleasure, guys. I'll see you. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I feel like I should have paid for that. Uh, I feel like I need a respirator. Oh, my God. That was... It was so real, but it was so, it was so fun. And I feel like it was, it was like, I think a lot of fans feel, but he just came with it and he shot straight with you. And he, you know, I like that. I like when people are real. Um, I love wrestling too. But once again, like Dan said, is it really that big of a deal? Do we really need to get that worked up about anything? I mean, and, and you know, I'll admit this. I get worked up when we feel like, oh, such and such got screwed or, you know, they, they're not getting enough TV time and we're bitching about this and about that and Brock Lesnar and his contract. At the end of the day, it's wrestling. It's just a show. It's a show on TV. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. If you don't, you can always turn it off. But um, Dan's got a good outlook when it comes to that. Just have fun and do your thing and, you know, don't be a shitbag. So I like it. Man, I haven't laughed like that, Freeland, since since our late night talks. Oh after my god! The old, after the old podcast. Oh my god! Yeah, I. Uh, sometimes you need that. You know, life gets freaking crazy sometimes, and stressful, and in bills, and family, and health issues, and it's just nice to be able to to have a time where you can kind of escape and just kind of just zone out and listen to somebody and have a good time. So. If uh, if you're in the area where Dan's going to be doing a show, highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend doing a show uh, with with Dan Barry. So it has been so much fun. Um, but with that being said, I have had a great time. I hope you have too. For the writ, I am Mike Freeland, and we will catch you next time on Front Row Material. The world of NLW Radio never stops. <laughs>